And we're back. Sort of. This is Alex Horton, co-host of Dirt Talk. Uh, obviously, typically Aaron Witt does these intros, um, introduces the podcast. But this week, you get to hear from me. Uh, this week's episode is with Ben Schwanberg, VP of Business Development at BuildWit. This is a, a, a very fun conversation. This episode is a little different than it's typically been because Aaron and Ben have already been pretty good friends, but also they are smoking some ribs in the backyard and having a couple beers. Um, so the, the energy is a little bit different, but it, it's definitely uh, got some good tidbits in there. So enjoy this conversation with Ben Schwanberg. We are sitting at the the, the temporary Buildwit podcast studio, my dining room table, and we have ribs going on outside. Yep. <clears throat> on the green egg. Thank you, Devin Dyer. Thank you, Devin Dyer. I pretty much shout him out as much as possible now. I still can't believe he literally just drove it here, said, here you go, packed up and left. I don't know if I've told that story or not, but yeah, I was on the <laughs> phone with him months ago now probably six months ago and uh he's like have you have you grilled on a green egg i'm like no Devin, i haven't i'm gonna get you one okay all right you, Devin. like i really don't need one i don't need you to buy me a grill but if you want to buy me a grill go go for it he texts me a, a few days later send me your address Sen i send him my address i'm like this motherfucker he's gonna actually get me a grill nothing ever happens months go by <clears throat> then on instagram I see Devin Dyer buying a green egg at Ace Hardware or whatever in his neighborhood. Him, Operation Save Buildwit, driving across the entire country with his family. I come home one morning. It's like a Saturday morning. I come home. He's in my backyard putting the green egg in my backyard. Didn't even tell me he was here. And then he gets back in the car and drives back home. <laughs> Well, and he left you a cooler and some steaks. He got you everything. He got me everything and uh, a thing of bacon on my hood. Yeah, bacon. On my truck. Got you the charcoal. The, I mean, he got you everything. Oh, yeah, everything. And just said, here you go, bud. I'm out of here. <laughs> and yeah, got back. And he lives in Salt Lake City. Oh, that's a long drive. What I'm in it, Nashville. 20, 24 hours? Damn near. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane. But now we use it every weekend. It is true. Yeah, it's gotten a, it's gotten a lot of use. Well, we were talking, you know, we've had some fancy steaks at fancy restaurants. It doesn't compare to that mm. damn thing. No, especially when you get one on that or like a Traeger. Yeah. You're kind of screwed. It's it's really hard. I know the only place in Nashville I've had it is Oak Steakhouse. And they're, I would go back there. But other than that, it's really hard for me to get a steak anywhere else now. I need to go back to Kane Prime. Yeah, it's a good spot too. I haven't been there in a while. Yep. We did our, I don't know. I don't even know what it was, but it was like July or August or something. And it was me, Chase, Dan, Chell, and Angel. So it was five of us at the time. That was the entire company. <clears throat> and I was like, how, how, long, how long ago was this? Maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And I'm, and you have third, I'm, I'm employee 33 now. Yeah. Here. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. For, for actual, I had no idea you had that many people. People at the, the company were 33, and then we have contractors. 
on yeah, top of that. Yeah, I had no idea. But anyways. And we're, yeah, we're going to be looking back at the end of this year be like, wow, we only had 30-something people beginning of the year. Um, that's where we're headed. But yeah, so it's five of us, the whole company. And I was like, I'm going to take these guys out to a really, really nice dinner. So they really understand like how appreciative I am. And it was, we still talk about it to this day. Problem is, I can't take 33 people out to Kane Prime anymore. That's an expensive dinner. I mean, technically I could. <laughs> that's an expensive dinner. Yeah, that's like, I don't know, like at least five grand. More than that, probably. On dinner, more than that. You're better off <clears> just <throat> buying a bigger grill and just grilling out at your office. People would probably appreciate that more anyways. Well, Dan, he <laughs> wants one of the grilling trailers. Oh, like a competition one. Yes. Like a legit one. Yeah, there's a company in Texas, and they build them. Oh, yeah. They're just full-on barbecue trailers. Yep. And he he keeps bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a one-time thing. Yeah. He's brought it up many times over. And uh, we'll have to see on that one. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's probably going to cost you 10 or 12 grand to get it. They're pricey, but we would use the hell out of it. Yeah, but it's once. Yeah. If you do, I don't know, 100 cookouts on it versus going out to eat or catering in, it pays for itself pretty quick. I know. But so. The only downside with this new office is we don't really have property associated with it. Put, some, put it on the roof. Well, the next <laughs> the next office will have a little bit of something. Yeah. I need I need property somewhere. Yeah. Like Dylan. Yeah, he's... Uh, I haven't seen his house yet, but I saw it in the video, the no. overview video. No, his office. Oh, his office. It's on a good little piece of property. And he like he's he's building it out, assuming that they're gonna expand it. Yeah, that's smart. So they're it's a huge like it's like four or five times where they're at now. And then he's already assuming that they're gonna expand it. So he bought the piece of property for the future expansion and a shop. Well, they'll get there. There's I mean yeah. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to bet against that no, guy. He yeah. take. Um, <clears throat> so to get to the actual podcast episode, Ben Schwanberg, we've been meaning to have this podcast for six months now since he moved to Nashville. A lot has changed in six months. It, it, I mean, I can honestly say we've just been meaning to just have a podcast episode. You've been at Turner Mining Group this whole time. Yep. Now you're at you're at Buildwit as of a week ago. So the podcast episode is substantially more interesting <laughs> now that that has happened. But that was never the intention. The no. intention was to do it before. We've just, for whatever reason, kept putting it off. Well, yeah, and then we were gonna do it last weekend, and you didn't have power. And then yeah, didn't have power. Forgot what happened the other. There was one other time, and we couldn't do it for some other reason. But yeah, it's for whatever reason we haven't been able to. But like you said, makes for a more interesting episode now. More interesting episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> Turner Mining Group was your forced first foray into moving dirt. Yeah, I would say after college, I was in high school a little bit, like real small scale stuff. I was around like. So I did like concrete work and block work. So I'd get to see like, you know, basements get dug, stuff like that. But not not to that scale that what they do it on. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first one. So you went to you grew up in it was Minnesota. Yep, St. Cloud, Minnesota. St. Cloud. Around, around St. Cloud. Talked to Eric Selman this morning. He's up in the 
Twin Cities area. There you go. Beautiful in the summer for the most part. Yeah. Pretty shitty in the winter. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. And and winter is like <sighs> winter can be from like October to like May. It's no joke. But I I love going up there. Like I go hunting every year. I think AJ and I are gonna do a fishing trip this year up to uh, basically up to Canada. I'm going with you guys on yeah, that one. You should. It yeah. it's three days of just basically <clears throat> drinking as much beer as you can and you just catch fish all day long. Yeah. It's it's a blast. <laughs> that's that's it's very, what I need to do. And it was kind of funny. The first time we did that, we took AJ's truck up there. And obviously, they're driving way. I mean, we were, I think we were like three, four miles out on the lake. Is this like, where do you guys go? Like Duluth? Mm-mm. Like, it's called Lake of the Woods. <clears throat> so how, is it further than Duluth? I yeah. Mean, you're way more north it's, than that. It's, you're on the border of Canada. That's pretty north. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were out on the lake probably a mile. And I, th- I think AJ asked like, like, he's like, man, I haven't seen like any, you know, any cabins or anything. I was, I was like, yeah, it's because we're on the lake, dude. He's like, wait, really? Yeah, we're on, we're on an ice road because you can't really tell. Like you, you kind of see the resort and stuff, and then you just kind of keep going. You think it's another gravel road because it's all snow. You can't see anything, and then you start to hear the ice crack as you're driving and stuff. And he's like, oh shit, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that, but I've always oh, wanted to go ice fishing. Oh, it's a blast. Yeah. I'd, that's honestly one of the things I miss most probably about living up there is ice fishing because that's what me and my buddy Zach would do all winter long. I grew up doing some fishing in Montana, but that mm-hmm. was very much a summer activity. Fly fishing. Fly yeah. fishing. Yeah. And just yep. fishing in general, mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. The <clears throat> We grew up in a – they had – it's probably like 15 acres where we, where we stayed, and they had these ponds and – uh, my buddy's dad, he stocks the ponds mm-hmm. with beautiful rainbow trout. Oh, yeah. Unbelievably beautiful fish, and we feed them with dog food. Because <laughs> we used to feed them with fish food yep. by, like, huge bags, yep. like, dog food-sized bags of fish food. But I, as he tells it, he read the ingredients, and he figured out it's the exact same thing as dog food. Yeah. So they just load up on dog food from Costco, <laughs> and that's what we feed the fish with. Yep. So the fish tastes like shit. Yeah, oh yeah. Because they're being fed with dog food. Awful. You don't really want to eat them. No. <laughs> but they are big and beautiful. Fun to catch, probably. And a ton of fun to catch yeah. as a kid. You yep. just throw your lure out there. Guaranteed to get a bite. Guaranteed to get a bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was fooled into thinking that that's fishing. Yeah, that's that's called catching. That's not fishing. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. I, I actually had a video that went viral a few years ago because you take... It's like a three-gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. Fill it with dog food. Oh, it's and insane. you just chuck it out there, and it's the whole gone in maybe a minute. Yeah, yeah. It's the wild. fish are just flying yep. everywhere. <laughs> and if you're standing on the dock, I mean, it looks like you jumped in the pond <laughs> with how much you get splashed by yeah. these damn fish. It's insane. Um, but so you go from Minnesota to Florida. Yeah, I uh, so which is a little different. Uh, it was you want to talk about last minute too it was i mean i'm trying to think i've actually done that both times i went to school because out of high school i was committed to a bigger school to go play football and i like i was signed up had my dorm ready to go it was like two weeks before i was supposed to report and start training what school is that Uh, bemidji state where's that minnesota oh northern minnesota oh wow division two school um 
and I don't know what it was. I just had like a gut feeling that I shouldn't be playing football. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just go along with the goal. Instead of listening to it, then last minute I'm like, shit, I can't do this. And I, I won 80 and I went to a small community college in uh, Grand Rapids, which is up in the Iron Ore Range. Yes. And uh, played two years of baseball there. And then same thing, I was coming out of my sophomore year and I had <clears throat> had a few offers to play Division two, but it was all like Midwest schools, and no offense, Midwest schools, but like I'm, I was already in the Midwest, grew up there. I didn't mm-hmm. want to go to, I didn't want to go to Missouri or North Dakota. Like I've seen it all; it's not tremendous. And then I let, very, very late, I got an offer to go to Lynn University down in Boca Raton, Florida, and I looked at it, and it was expensive. I'm like, oh shit, but I. My gut said, if you don't do it, you're going to kick yourself in the ass. So I said, yeah, let's yeah. go do it. Best, best decision ever made, by the way, because, like, yeah, at, I have, I'm have i still paying my student loans. going to be for another few years. But what I was able to learn, just <clears throat> getting out of my bubble in Minnesota, I, it's, I mean, it's opened up, like, the entire world to me. Because, you, I mean, if you go from rural Minnesota to Boca Raton, Florida, you're going from – you know, middle class, lower middle class to one of the highest wealth zip codes in the world. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, yeah. I got off, I got off the plane and I'm like, Oh shit. I am, I am not at home anymore. <laughs> well, and that's, and it's a place where there's nothing off the table. No, anything goes. I, it, it's when people say Florida's like, it's, it's its own country. It is. Mm-hmm. It's just a wild place. I got to meet, so many awesome people there, like be lifelong friends with them. S- some people who are super wealthy, super successful. Like it's just, and I never would have got to do that if I didn't just take the shot. So that's why it's like, for me, I always, you know, I, it's hard because some people are like, Oh, you don't need to go to college. Like it's a waste of money. I honestly, for me, like the education. Yeah. If you're going to go be like an engineer. Yeah. You got to mm-hmm. go to college, but I think going just to get out of your comfort zone, just to go meet people and just make that your plan. You're, I mean, college is the best four years of your life. I, yeah, I used to argue against it. Now I'm a big proponent of it because it's when you're 18 years old, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Anyone that says they know what the hell they're doing. I mean, I'm 26. I still don't know what I'm doing. It's a really nice four year period with no real risk. You can just fuck off. No real consequences. For four years. Yeah. You yeah. can just explore the world, explore mm-hmm. you as an individual, explore everything about life with no consequences, meet a lot of great people. And then when you're 22, after four years, like, okay, where do I take this? And there's tremendous value in that. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I literally like, and I'm like I said, I'm paying a lot in student loans. I I think if I had to go back and do it again, I'd do the same thing. Yeah, I just yeah. I, it's hard to put a number on that, but it, I mean, super valuable for me. And I would tell everybody too. I mean, there's I could have been smarter about how I did it for sure. Like I I should have probably had a part time job at least a little bit to knock down some of it. But I mean, I still would go back and do it again, same way. That's. I worked all the way through college, which was a huge help, and I think is a no-brainer. 
Um, but I, I, the only thing I would have done differently is I would have done construction management, not engineering. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm glad I have engineering. I'm glad I got my ass beat for four years. I would <laughs> not do a, it again, though. That's a tough degree. Yeah. I, I was friends with some engineering students when I went to that uh, uh, junior college in Minnesota. And they, I mean, even for like a, you know, community college, it was, I mean, they were intense. Like their classes. It's like, intense. shit. <laughs> but it's like, so I was really bad at engineering. I was in engineering for four years. I graduated with engineering. I still had tons of time to work and to fuck off as much time as I needed to do both of those things. And so the people that the kids that say they can't do anything else in college, that's a lie. You can, I want to smack them (laughs) because yeah, it, it, it doesn't get more rigorous than engineering undergrad. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, there's law school, there's med school, there's, you know, you can go get a master's of accounting to become a CPA. That's all grad school. Undergraduate four years you have four years of engineering school that prepares you to be an engineer. There's no graduate engineering school. I mean, you can go graduate, but it, that's not to go get your engineering license. Yeah. So they fit all of it in four years, and it sucks, but you still have time to mess, mess around and do whatever you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so you go, you go to Florida, graduate, and then... I had to start making some money. <laughs> yes. So that's... I. Um, Cause I, I had probably like, probably like a month where I could just figure out what I wanted to do. I had enough money saved and I, I was actually staying at AJ's old apartment down there. Cause like he still had it through the end of the year. So I was like, okay, well at least I have a spot to stay, which was good. And, uh, I got started. My first job was in, I was, it was for a pest control company and it was being like just a maintenance like you literally go visit all your customers every month, like do their service, handle any issues. That's really where I got started into sales was because it was very heavily commission-based. And so like I would look at it and I'm like, well, shit, I'm only going to make two grand if I only do just the base, but yet on cap commission, you can make as much as you wanted. So I got to taste that a little bit and I'm like, oh shit, this is, this whole sales thing's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's where I got started there. Um, and I learned a lot. I mean, dealing with just different that, – that's another thing I probably would never do differently is just dealing with, like, different people. Like, that's a – I had, like, 200 customers on my list. That's 200 people that you have to interact with every single month. Mm-hmm. They're going to be different every single month, and you have to figure it out. And that was the most for me. Like, I had so many things connected in my head with, like, okay – of like how to read people, how are they going to react here? What are the, you know what I mean? That was super valuable for me. But yeah, yeah. So I did that, and then um, I stuck with it. Actually, I had a bigger company, um, basically approach me and want to hire me for a straight sales role, and took that. Did really well. Um, I think the year I was there, they had like their high. It was like the highest revenue, highest profit year. And then right on top of that, I got moved up to be a branch manager because they bought a new area, took that for a year. But I I ended up, I didn't really love what I was doing. I was doing it like for the money. And I was, I loved it right away because I was learning people and stuff. But then it got to be more about the money. And I, I ended up, I was getting burned out and doing it for the wrong reasons and started to hate what I was doing. 
And that was right about the time that I think Keaton had started Turner and you were working with them. Because that was when I, Age and I used to send the videos back and forth of, like, I, th- I think it was when they were at Cupertino. Yeah. You had a couple of those viral ones that just went, yeah. they were ridiculous. And those are the ones that we were like, man, we should, we should go apply with them and just get our foot in the door. That, I mean, we kind of went back and forth for a few months. And then finally I applied in like September, never heard anything. I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. And then it got to the point where I'm like, man, I really want to get out of here. I need to figure out what's going on there. So I bugged the recruiter again. And then finally I got, got her attention. And, uh, was this, it was like September of maybe 2018. It's 20. Yeah. 2018. I think. Yeah. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, so we did that, and then um, I'm trying to think what happened. I, I didn't hear anything for a while again. And then actually, AJ and I went on our fishing trip to, I can't remember the exact series of events. We went on our fishing trip to Minnesota. So we took, he, he was off for a week. I took a week off. He was off. We went up, went fishing. And literally, I said, I was like, watch, they're going to call us. Because he had applied, too. He's like, they're going to call us while we're up there. Probably not going to have a cell signal because we're in the middle of nowhere. And sure shit. We got up there and got a phone call. And they're like, yeah, we want to hire you on. And it was for, like, a truck driver position. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> and AJ, he was he was in construction. He was already in construction. So he was already yeah. a superintendent. And yeah. they offered him just an operator role, too. And he's like, man, I don't kind of want to do it. And I didn't either, but at the same time, I was like, well, I don't love what I'm doing now, and they're growing super fast. I was like, let me – threw it around for a little bit, and I'm like, you know what, the hell with it, because the other the other driver of that too was Elise, my girlfriend, who was working in Florida, got a job up in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So she was leaving, yeah. and I'm like, okay, shit. I got to either find something where I can get to Knoxville or I can work wherever. And this was Turner. Obviously they don't care where he lives. They fly you all over. So I was like, okay, well it works. So I just said, go said the hell with that and went for it. And I, well, and you, like you said, you hired on when I had visited. I'd hired site. I had hired on before that. So I was before. actually, I was actually at Akakeek for, Oh, I think a month. Is that Maryland? Yeah. Yeah. That beautiful site. Yeah. That place is a shithole. And then you went <laughs> oh, and God. you went to Cal site. Yeah. In Michigan. Yep. So I got trained. I got trained. Uh, I got trained in Maryland and then I went up to Michigan because they were ramping that up up there. And that's where I had met you. I, it wasn't, I had been there for a little bit, I think, when you got up there. Yeah. I, I went up there. I think it was like March. Yeah, and I had been there since end of, I want to say end of January. Because I remember I went, uh, it went with my friend Kevin to Chicago the, a few days prior to do St. Patty's Day. Yeah, I actually remember seeing that on on, I, uh, on Instagram. I just <laughs> had one too many, huh? I had oh. 10 too many <laughs> and, and just got obliterated yeah. that trip and was just so bummed out. And yeah. then I went, wind up in, what's the town? Rogers, Rogers City, Michigan. Rogers City, Michigan. Hell of a place. At the Driftwood Motel <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was. 
And oh yeah, go see calcite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell of a place. Was AJ up there too? No, he actually didn't. He got offered, um, but he was working actually on the big um, Hard Rock Casino Hotel mm-hmm. down in. Uh, I think it's Hollywood, Florida. And he wanted to finish that job up before he left. So he said, thanks for the offer. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to call you when I'm done with this. And he finished it up and then called him, and that's when he started up there. So you were in a management position at a pest control company, and then you're like, to hell with it, I'm going to become a truck driver. Pretty much. What was so appealing about what you saw online and what Turner Mining Group was putting out there? The, I think it was the fact that you got to move up really quick, and I recognized too that they're only a, you know, three year old company. Yeah. And if they're growing this fast, it's like okay, well, if I, if I, in you know, simpleton terms, eat shit now for a year or two, it'll pay off later down the road, and mm-hmm. and it ended up. I mean, it worked, you know. But I've I've always kind of been that way where you have to you have to sacrifice for a little while. Like you don't get to just stroll into a big you know, cushy role, like, no. you know, and I think a lot of people need to learn that too. Like I have a lot of friends who are in engineering and stuff like that. And I feel like they, I have a lot of friends who are lawyers too. And they, <laughs> they come out of, you know, school thinking, okay, I'm going to go in there and just dominate. And no, you start at the bottom of the barrel, you get the worst cases. They're just shit. You're treated horrible and you just got to work. I mean, it's how anything is though. Especially, I mean, the world of law, like oh, my God. dad. Yeah, you know, your dad's a lawyer. Yeah. So my dad, he goes to school, so graduates at 22, then goes to law school, <sighs> then goes to graduate school after law school, mm-hmm. then clerks for a judge for a few <sighs> years in D.C. And that is bottom of the barrel, right? Bottom there. of the barrel. Bottom of the barrel. Then becomes a baby lawyer. Yep. And it's not until he's in his, like, well into his 40s. Yeah. Until he's actually somebody, mm-hmm. and it so it is two decades of just putting your head down and just slogging. I think I think that gets lost because it's the same way for doctors too. I mean, yeah, my friends in medical school, and one they, of my best friends, and holy shit, I have a lot of friends that are doctors too, and they man, what they go through in school, and then what they start at, and how long it takes them before they really like start taking off. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. And mm-hmm. the amount of money you have to spend on that education, it's like, I think, and I think that's where everybody gets that kind of, you know, oh, screw college, you don't need it. Like, because they look at those examples, right? And it's like, yeah, those are extreme examples, but you have to do that. You also have to be confident enough in yourself to be like, it's no problem. I know I'm going to get through this and be able to pay it all off. But I mean, even for the average person to pay 40, 50 grand and, I mean, get to go meet people that, in my eyes, that 50 grand you pay, you're going to meet someone more than likely who's going to help you make that back 500 times over, like throughout your life. So yeah, to yeah. me, it's, it's, it's a very small price to pay to go get that experience. Well, and that's, <clears throat> I'm, so I'm going to that Arte event in yeah, May. It's the same thing. And I stressed out about the cost of it for a little bit. Well, I stressed out for maybe... 10 or 15 minutes and yeah. slapped myself around and just did it. Yeah. Because the cost seems significant at face value, but then you start thinking, okay, what's the return on this money? Exactly. And then it is nothing yep. compared to what you're going to get long term. Yep. Yeah. 
So that's that's how I view college too. And like I've had a lot of people, a lot of younger guys ask me even on Instagram. They'll say, "Hey man, like should I go to college or you know, should I just hop in?" And to me it's like, "Well, if if you're good where you're at and you just want to start making money, that's and you're just dead set on it, then just go work for an excavation company. Just mm-hmm. start. Like yeah. go ask them to sweep the floors to start. Like but if you if you have something in you that says, you know, I think there's more out there than what I've already seen than go to college and go somewhere really far away. So you are completely cut off from your comfort zone. I think that's the most important part of yes that is that you're, you're out of your, your comfort zone. Well, and I, so I did it the other way around. Whereas I went to school in Tempe. I grew up in Scottsdale. So I went to school 20 minutes from where I grew up which was not outside of my comfort zone. But every summer, for the first two summers, I was a laborer around way, way out town. of your comfort zone. <laughs> Third summer on the railroad, fourth summer in Washington State with Kiwit. So far outside of my comfort zone, it wasn't even funny. And you learned a lot. And I, I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> and then day. after school, after school, I the plan was I was going to go help estimate, bid a... Um, a CMAR project for the city of Fort Worth and then go build it. So I got to see the front end of it and then the back end of it. And I won't ever forget the executives of the company sat me down before I graduated and they say, we want to keep you in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I just told them, no, I'm not staying in Phoenix. <laughs> so if we're going to keep this offer letter intact yeah. and I'm going to work for you guys, I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to Texas. <laughs> yeah, and, and they said, okay, all right, I guess you're going to Texas. And I said, thank you very much. <laughs> and I went out to Texas, and that was, again, just way outside of my comfort zone. It, yeah. it for lack of a better term, fucking sucked. Yeah. Well, you, you weren't needed in a, to do it. You weren't in a good part of Texas. Well, well, I was in Fort Worth, which I okay, really... Okay, that's, that's not bad. I loved Fort Worth. Yeah. Houston, I not my cup of tea. I love, I love Fort Worth. That's... Super underrated. I will be going there this summer partake in some heavy drinking with a f- couple friends it is <laughs> yeah so fort worth and san antonio yeah. are both super underrated texas places yeah austin gets all the glory austin and- gets all the glory dallas is you know the glitz and glamour yep but fort worth and san antonio it's just authentic texas oh yeah fort, dallas Wor- fort and- worth especially fort, fort worth mm-hmm. is just texas you have the stockyards and yep. all kinds of cool stuff there yep um, and it's, you know, it's the same size as Dallas, but it's half the population. So it's a lot quieter, a lot more low key. Everyone's not out to get everybody. It's just different. So you drive a truck for how long? Uh, six months, six, seven months. I was and that you're just driving or articulated just a 45 Volvo a 45 every day, 12 hours a day. <laughs> How many loads a day? Oh, Jesus. I don't remember. It was a lot. It would vary on which hall we were going to. But no, it was, um, I'm trying to think, because it was right about the time that I was starting to get into other equipment and started to get trained up. Like I had run that sphere a little bit, run a dozer a little bit, starting to kind of move up <clears throat> that way. But I, I didn't, like I figured out that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go back into like the, the more of the front end of the business, the bidding, estimating, yeah. business development, kind of the more sales role. 
so I'd reached out to uh, reached out to Dylan at the time, who was our business development manager, and I actually met him in O'Hare. He was traveling back from somewhere. I was going home. I feel I, like he. I mean, when he was working for them, he lived at O'Hare. Yeah, he was always there. Like yeah. he was always flying. Yeah. Yeah. So I ran into him there, talked about it, um, and I just reached out to him on Instagram. And I just happened to see that he was at O'Hare and I messaged him. I'm like, hey, I'm here too. So we had a beer, talked about it. Um, they ended up bringing me on just to more so to just kind of help out um, and just, you know, help with bidding, simple stuff. And then I did that for probably, I think probably seven, six or seven months. And then um, ended up taking over his role. Mm-hmm. Um as the manager, and then that's where I've been for the last year and a half till came to Bill What? Pretty wild. It's yeah. Looking back at it, like I, I always think about it, and I'm like, yeah, it's not that crazy. But then when I actually look at like the series of events, talk about, it, I'm like, yeah, that's actually kind of nuts. But I mean, yeah, in, in two years you go from a driving truck. a truck, <laughs> yeah, which is still, I mean, the truck drivers are the ones that make the money. Mm-hmm. You're paid to move material. Yep. The trucks are what move material. Yep. Everybody else supports truck drivers. Yeah, it's true. In mining. And, and it, it, no, it's true. Um, it's actually funny because doing that first and then going into the office helped so much as far yeah. as like what to look for and how it actually all works. And yeah. But it is, I mean, I want to give the whole truck drivers credit because that they, they're the ones that make the money. Oh, yeah. They're the front lines quote unquote, but it is mind numbing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keaton. It beats the shit out of your body too. And you're in those truck. Well, you can drive them a little, you know, take it, it beats easy. You up. Yeah. No one takes it easy. No. Yeah. It's balls to the wall every single time. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, one of their first few jobs, one of the first five jobs or so was in Prescott, Arizona. Oh, yeah. And so I moved to Arizona, back to Arizona, when I started the company to move in with my dad. That's where where all the tires were blown up because it was such a long haul. It was like two miles. Yeah. If if not more. Yep. And just a dead straight road (laughs) for two miles. Yep. With antelope all over Mm -hmm. and rattlesnakes. And it was just, and it was down a wash. So it was a really nice road. Yeah. I mean, you can just rip through it, foot all the way down on the floor. Yep. But- I mean, you could almost sit there and watch Netflix. It was so oh yeah, there's dead no, straight nothing out there, <laughs> nothing yeah. out there. And yeah. he had some extra trucks sitting there from Deer from RDO, and he said, "Yeah, if you want to run a truck, run a truck." So I would go out there, <laughs> and I was just starting my business. Just the first two three months, yeah. nothing better to do yep. than to go run a truck every once in a while. So learn, I'd take pictures learn. first thing in the morning, then go get in a truck, run <laughs> run a truck for a few hours. And I would do it for three, four hours, and I'd be like, okay, that was enough of that for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's... And then I'd get my little Toyota Camry and drive back to Arizona, or yeah. drive back to Phoenix. Yeah, it uh, it beats you up. That was um, a simpler time, though. Yeah, I, I I agree. Yeah, it beats you up. I, I think the only thing worse than that is probably running a, like a dozer on rock. That's pretty it awful, sucks. too. That is pretty freaking awful. Brutal. That's where I got to learn how to run a dozer. Was Gump at the time was my foreman, and he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna train you up. Uh, what am I gonna do?" He goes, "You're gonna get in that D8. 
because you're going to clean the cap rock floor before uh, blast. Brutal. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. That was fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> I I almost put my head or my uh, forehead through the dash so many times because you'd be going along and then you'd clip a high spot and just, sm- I mean, it was terrible. We had a, so I didn't really <laughs> understand how much equipment operators can get the ship beat out of them until oh, Jesus. when I worked for Kiwit in, in the Northwest in Washington. We had a yep. PC-2000, mm-hmm. big excavator. Oh, yeah. I mean- it's We're, a big machine. Yeah, 200 tons. Yeah, for, for a quarry. Yep. So you will not see a PC-2000 in a quarry. It's a very, very, it was a super unique operation. We were mining jetty stone. And, and, and when we were shooting for jetty stone, you know, traditional blasting, you just want to blow, blow the shit out of it. You want to, to turn it to sugar is you know, the industry term for it. You just want to just turn it to absolute sugar. You can dig it real easy, load mm-hmm. it in the trucks. You're minimizing the wear on your crusher. Yep. Everything's good to go. You want perfect fragmentation. For jetty stone, you we a, needed... You put a crack in it, and that's it. You put a crack in it. <laughs> yep. So we needed six to 30-ton rocks. And a 30-ton stone, that is a big rock. And there was a certain gradation we needed to meet, so it was like a science project. So every single shot, and I was doing all the blasting plans and helping with all the... Bl- it was fascinating to see. Every hole was loaded differently, and we were decking the holes with certain boosters yep. <laughs> and we're going to use a three-quarter booster in this hole a pound booster in this one a half pound in this like it was just a total just, science project that's exactly what it is so we would we would you know fracture everything and then this pc2000 excavator would come through there and dig the face and sift out sort all the rocks and pull out all the rocks and the fragmentation wasn't perfect so we were after a 30, uh, 6 to 30 ton, yeah. but we would be getting 50, 60 ton <laughs> rocks out of this space. That's a miserable job being in that thing. Oh, <laughs> my so God. The, the guy, you know, he's this old school guy from Alaska. Yeah. He would just sit and pick at this face, and this this excavator was too small Oh yeah, for some of these rocks. And I rode along with him in the buddy seat. There's a buddy seat in mm-hmm. the big excavator, so I, I hell yeah, I want to be in there. And it just kicks the you shit out of you. Put a helmet on when you're in there. <laughs> yeah. I seriously. Oh yeah. And that was the first moment when I realized, like, okay, this is a very physical job. Yeah, it definitely can be. That's it gets a little better when you get the bigger trucks, like your triple sevens and up. Even I mean, even your smaller rigid frames. Because typically your roads are a little bit better. Your roads are always better. They ride really nice. Yeah. But articulate yeah. trucks are like, ah, Oof. we don't need road maintenance. I mean, yeah. That's I asked kind of what they're for to go where rigid frames can't. It's oh god, it beats you up. Um, all right, so you're doing the business development, yep, for a upstart mining company, yep. Probably a significant learning curve there, yeah, really significant learning curve. And there was a period of time before COVID where you were flying all over the country every week, yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I got a hundred and I got hundred and twenty some flights in six months. Seriously? I think it was. Yeah, six or seven months. That's pretty brutal. It was a lot. It was a lot. Because I'll be over a hundred for a year, but that's a year. Yeah, I thought it might not have been that high. Maybe it was ninety or a hundred. And it was right. It was right around a hundred. I think. It was a lot though. Um, it was a lot. A lot. But yeah, so I was doing that, and uh, 
yeah, I got to every site I went to learn something new, which is one of my favorite things is getting to see how different different projects have to be built, how different operations run. Like I, I think that stuff's fascinating. So, and every mine site is completely different. Oh, it's wild, absolutely wild. It can be the same company, same type of operation, two different regions, completely different, black operations. and white. Yep. Some of them, some of them run beautifully. Some of them look like they've just been hodgepodge together for years because they probably have. But it's yes, it blows my mind that those big companies don't like they almost don't. They actually run super inefficient. Like that's a majority of them I found. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. I, there's a very select few that really run really efficient. I would I would say your your bigger metals companies they run pretty well. Um. Yeah. Like uh, we went to Rio Tinto Bingham Canyon, and that place. <laughs> yeah, that's is a different category. Dialed. Mm-hmm. Dialed. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, how much time and energy they put into every little piece of that operation. Oh yeah, haul, haul times, crushers, fragmentation, yep. blasting, everything is dialed in. And and the shovels, every truck has a barcode. Yep, they weigh everything via shovel, not truck, because the truck scales are too inefficient for them. Yep. They want a lower margin of uh, I don't know what the there's a technical term for that, but but since the truck scales fluctuate, they they they've said we're not even going to measure everything off truck. We're going to measure everything off the shovel. It's it's wild, crazy. Yeah, I got I got to see their tailings dam. I haven't got to see their uh, the actual mine yet. The tail even the tailings dam though is like you you get you get up to this overlook point and you look at it and you're like, holy shit! It's like ten thousand acres. Yeah. I, it's just, I mean, mind-numbing how big it is. It's it's an amazing operation. Yeah, it really is. And then on the on the aggregate side, it's a little messier. But the one company that we've talked about is way messier. <laughs> Don't, you're being nice. It's I'm, way way messier. I'm being very political yeah. here. The the one company that is always buttoned up is Luxstone. Yeah, you can tell by your photos of that place that they run a very Yes. Very tight operation. And this is not me sucking up to anybody or anything like that. They are just, I think, I like, I don't know. I, if I had a dollar for every time I said, Luxstone's operations, absolutely beautiful, <laughs> I would have a substantial amount of money in a savings account. Yeah. They're the only one that I've seen consistently absolutely buttoned up. The, the other, I think the most impressive ones that I've been to um, FEC for Semex in Miami. When we went down there and looked at them too, they ran. I think I've been there. You've been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That when we went down there too, I mean that place runs like a, I mean like clockwork. It's, when I was down there, they, we, their whole fleet was totally brand new. They had all brand new 785Gs. Oh yeah. That was the first time I'd seen a brand new 785 fleet. Oh yeah. In my life. Yeah, they don't mess around there. No. Yeah, so they that one's really good. I uh, I have never, I've only been to the front part of CMEX New Braunfels. That's I think the largest one in the country. I think they do like twelve million tons a year. Out I think there. you're right. Yes, and they are just now switching. I think to two hundred ton trucks. They're going big time. So any the, aggregate operation that runs two hundred ton trucks <laughs> yeah, is big time. Yeah, so they're nine ninety fours and two hundred tonners there. 
Wow. Yeah. Really? And yeah. And they, and I think, I don't remember where I heard 994s? I think so. I guess that is the right pass match. Yeah. I think they're 994s. Um, yeah. And I, and I think they are also rebuilding their entire crushing spread. Because I think because they're moving it. that And I might not have heard that correctly. But they're, I mean, that place, like you pull in the gate, the amount of truck traffic coming in, it, it's insanity. Like, So have you ever been to White Rock in Florida? Driven by it. I've driven by it. <laughs> oh, okay. well, I remember you telling me about that. I just remember it because you see the giant drag line. And it's like if that yeah. thing were to swing over the highway, it would take out like tons of cars. So you have a big drag line there. But. So the thing, like New Braunfels, they probably ship some of that by rail. They ship, I think they ship a lot of it by rail. Same, a lot of same it by with rail. FEC. It's all by rail. A lot of it FEC, but yeah. FEC is cement. Yep, they feed the cement plants. White Rock is aggregate, and it is it is one of the single biggest. It's either one or two in the country. They said it flips. A hundred percent of the aggregate leaves by truck. That's right, by triaxle. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so when we're driving in there. <laughs> We were driving in there. I have never seen so many triaxles in my life. And the construction market in Florida is bananas right now. It's, they, it is up there with Nashville well, the, with the, the amount of building. Like the belts that they pull out of. I forget what the technical term is, but I think they pull out 60 million tons a year out of the collective number of quarries serving the greater Miami market. 60 million tons a year. And... and just the truck traffic into this quarry <laughs> was like Eric and I were laughing. Oh, it's insane. Because it was so ridiculous. And there must have been like 3988s loading these trucks. As fast as they can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus. It was it was insane. Yeah. Those places down there, man, they're they're incredible. Yeah. And I mean, Florida's not slowing down anytime soon either. It's no. like here. It's I think it's only just gonna keep going. Same I mean, same with you know, New Braunfels, that whole area is just going to keep going. Yes. I, I think especially now it's just going to keep speeding up, which yeah. is crazy. A lot of, yeah, in, in New Braunfels, it serves both Austin and San Antonio. Yeah. You're right in between there. Yep. Yeah. And they are 24-7 as fast as they can go. <laughs> well, and that's where Keaton's very first project was. Yeah, from Mark Marietta. Because when I met Keaton, we had dinner in New Braunfels yep. at a like a local steakhouse in downtown New Braunfels, Texas. I drove out there to have dinner with them. I was working for HCSS at the time. It was like a Wednesday or Thursday. So I drove out there. It was like two hours to drive to New Braunfels to have dinner, mm -hmm. drive two hours back, go to work the next day yep. to, to have dinner with this guy <laughs> who had just started this mining company yep. in, in Texas. And then their second or I think their second project was out in California. Third was in Mary Neal, Texas oh, yeah. at Boozy. Yep. And that's where I kind of got my start yep. with them was at in Mary Neal. I just posted some of those pictures the other day on LinkedIn. I think it was, yeah, it was Mary Neal. That was like the good old days of Build It, right? The there. original. Yeah. Driving yeah. five hours in my Toyota Camry. <laughs> yeah. You didn't to go see some dirt for a few hours. You didn't have that nice F 250 back then. I did not have the F 250. <laughs> no, I had my little Toyota. I would drive out there. I slept in it in the wind farm next door so I could be there at sunrise for those oh, pictures. Oh, man, and Mary Neal is not a – I'm not shitting on Mary Neal, but it's not a beautiful area. 
there's nothing there. No. There's nothing in Marineville. No. If you want to stay out there, you stay in Sweetwater. Sweetwater. It's not much there either. It's not much more than a truck stop. No. <laughs> no. Not a beautiful place. No, it's definitely not. So I would, instead of staying in Sweetwater, I would just sleep in my car next door. A little chilly. park under a wind farm or a windmill. And yeah, it gets really yeah, damn cold out there in the winter. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an adventure. Um, so you do business development um, for Turner for a while. And you moved to Nashville quite a few months ago now. Yeah, it was last August when we moved to Nashville. Because of Elise's job. Yep. You were in Knoxville. Yep. Moved to Nashville. Yep. Three hours away. Yep. And you're still working for Turner. And then we build what we hired someone on for the role that you're in right now from John Deere, Jake Schmidtline. He's been on the podcast. Hire him. And then a day before he starts, we think, ah, this role's better. So now we have this business development role that we know we need filled available. And I go to Dan and I say, I think I know the guy for this. <laughs> and I had not thought of that until that happened. Yeah. Because we had every intention of putting Jake in this business development role. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I have like perfect role for him. And then and this was the whole Dan's whole thing. I think he's the people officer, you know, chief people officer for mm -hmm. us. And I'm like, okay, shit. So he becomes that. Yeah. Vacant. I go to you. I think he's the guy. Dan, talk to him. We talked to you. Happened pretty quickly. Yeah, it did. As far as I think he's the guy. Maybe he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy. Let's make it happen. One, two, six. Here you are a week in yep. as title vice president of business development yep. within our consulting business. Mm -hmm. It's just good timing. Um, really good timing. It No, it really was too because I like where I was getting at at Turner – was, you know, obviously Turner's making a pretty big pivot right now. They're going from what they like to call a glorified stripping contractor to actually being a real mining contractor. Yeah. And they're literally in the middle of it right now. But my role at Turner went from getting to, I think, getting to see a lot and kind of go do a lot to more just like I would need to be behind heavy bid, behind egg tech every day, all day, super technical. It's not what I'm good at. I'm really not. I like talking to people, I like solving problems. And that was, you know, and, and ultimately too, my role needed to be based in the new Salt Lake office. It did. It it had to be based with Lenny and Bill. There was definitely a I would say there's definitely an efficiency loss with me being here, doing everything over Zoom. They're they're a little more old school, so they're not like super great with the remote kind of connection. Um so that's kind of where I got to and I was I was able to, thankfully, I was mature enough at this time. I was able to kind of detach and be like, okay, well, what is my forward path here? And I, it would have been a long time before I got to move up anywhere next. So I was like, well, maybe I should go look somewhere else. And then that's when you offered me it. So it was just really good timing. Yeah, and, and, and Turner's made that switch. They brought on some very seasoned people. Yeah, they, brought on, they brought on some heavy hitters. Heavy hitters <laughs> to, to, to really go after the mining. Like, because people, they think, like, the, the one thing Turner Mining Group has somewhat convinced people is that mining is 374s. 
Been, mm. You've been to the metals mines. <laughs> it's you know. not through, through 74s are used for like stormwater ditches. <laughs> if that. If that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went to a, the first time I went to a serious copper mine in Arizona, the 390 was the cleanup machine. Yeah. Or like, they, or like moving pipe around and stuff. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just there. It's yep. like a skid steer. Basically, yeah. Like you use it whenever you need it, but it's not worth a whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and and that's the big world of mining, and that's where they want to go. So you need to make a dramatic yeah. change and that's, to get there. And that's they're literally doing it right now. I mean, that's they're going through a lot of change, and and that you know it it's no fault of of Turner's because I mean, literally, my role just morphed into something that one, it didn't fit me well. I didn't want to do it. Yes. You know, so it's like I and I don't want to wait. For me, it's riskier to to go take a shot on this, right? With you and just say, okay, well, you know, sink or swim. That's basically what it is. Then then to kind of ride it out, you know, I, I would have had my workload came down a lot in all reality from what I was doing. But just to do the same thing that I don't love for God knows how long, it's riskier to take that path than it is to go take a risk and Correct. Sink or swim. You either do it or you don't. You well, know? And, they, and they had to make the change because <laughs> they did. Yeah, it's a good old boys club at that higher level. It sure is. And and you need to know people. You got to have credibility up there. Which and, yeah. And Lenny's got all the credibility in the world. So yeah, what I was good at just kind of went away. So yeah, exactly. And yeah. and and at your age, you know, you don't have the credibility. You Ex- don't know the people. Exactly. So now you don't serve the future direction of the business yeah. as well as you did before. That's what happens at businesses. Businesses change. It ebbs and flows. And yeah, we just kind of intersected at the right point where you were at that point. Turner was at that point. We were at this point of, hey, we actually have a role that fits your skill set very well. Because we don't need somebody that knows everybody. We need someone that sees business development for what it can be and where it should go and help our partners move in that more modern direction. And I've never, that's the thing with me is I've never done it though. I mean, that's the one thing, and you know this, Keaton is a master at that. You at can't, deli- I mean, he, you can't argue with it. Yeah. No. And that's who I learned it from really was him. And I mean, he, he gets leads sent to him from LinkedIn all the time. People just message him like, Hey, I got this project. Can you I come know. look at it? Yeah, and it's like, yeah. It's such a it's such a powerful tool, and that's how I learned. You know, was to do it that way, and then and then, I mean, use the tools you got, right? Like, well, he said it himself. Like, if he didn't have social media, right now he would be a local oh, yeah. stripping contractor, <laughs> absolutely in absolutely. the Midwest, working at three quarries, <laughs> if that a beat up three forty nine, a few trucks, yeah, <laughs> yeah, beat to piss three forty nine. Mm-hmm. You know, some locals just having at it, yeah. Uh, but he, he absolutely has changed the dynamic of how the industry acquires business. You can't argue with, with the results. I'm a big, I I have a ton of respect for what he's been able to do in such a quick time. Yeah. And that's what we want to tap into. And you've seen, you've been a big part of that. That's what I want to replicate within our partnership and we do, you know, there's some mining within our, our partnership, but a lot of it's construction, but all yeah. the same principles apply. It is. Yeah. I was even just, even talking with Dylan here in Nashville, it's uh, it's very similar, very similar process to how I 
go about it at Turner. It's just a, it, I think here it's it's almost it's a little harder in the construction world because like mining companies are easy to find. I mean, you can literally go on Google Earth and be like, oh, there's one. Exactly. You can't do that with like real estate development companies. You got to get in really early. But it's uh, it's a lot of the same tools, a lot of the same principles. It it really is similar. Like the, it is. But but mining is easy. Like Abe, he had messaged me. It was this was probably a year ago now. He's like, all right, I want to get in with some of these quarries in some of these mines. How do you do that? And how would you do that? And I'm like, well. Google Earth, man. Abe, you're a fleet fleet supplier, so I'm just going to go on Google Earth, and I'm just going to count exactly what they have. And I sent him screenshots of, okay, and I actually used a quarry in New Braunfels. It might have been CMAX. Yep. And I said, Abe, this is what I would do. This is how I'd figure it out. Here's a screenshot. That looks like a 992. Not 100% certain, but it you looks... You can get pretty damn close. Pretty damn Earth. close. That's yeah. a 992. And, okay, they have two more of them, so they have three 992s. Uh, seven triple sevens, maybe a few nine eighties in the yard. There's your fleet. Yep. And then, okay, here's Bill Johnson. He's the, <laughs> yeah. he's the plant manager. Don't talk to him. <laughs> and here's his email. Yep. And here's his phone number. And it's you can all, get all it, of that. It's all email. out there. Yeah. It's all out there. There's a quarry I want to visit in California this week. I just do, 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 Google. Okay. Here's the plant manager. Here's how to contact him. Oh hey Darren. Yep. How's it going, man? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Write him a message. And he's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> who the hell are you? But yep. do you work around that? And yep. one, two, six, there you are seeing the plant that yeah. you wanted to see two weeks ago. You can you can get I mean, literally you can get anywhere using the tools. I mean, your cell phone is like the most powerful thing. That's how I started the business. Oh, it's insane what you can do with that thing. That's how I, like, that's how I met. That's how I met Keaton. Mm-hmm. That's how I met Tim Kramer with LB3. That's how we met. It's how you Social and I media. met. But <laughs> yeah. like the first, there were four companies that really took a chance on us from the beginning: Granite Rock, Turner Mining Group, LB3 Enterprises, and Rosso. All three of those. Stephen at at Muschlitz, he helped us out a little bit, but now we have a partnership with and, them and Bellwether. Bellwether. Matt, Matt, but, Matt but I met I met Matt through Keaton. Oh, okay. I thought that was sooner. No, I met I met him through Keaton. But those four, all four of those originated from yeah the social media. It's and and to me, it still blows me away that I mean, it's kind of funny. You only have a small group of companies that really. I mean, the companies that work with you, you got Turner. What other companies really like have their social media and like presence out there really well? There's not. There's not many. There's not many. Not no. that I can. Not that I can think of. I mean, and we're trying to do better for our partners, which yeah. is why we brought in Jake Pico, yeah, to head up that because it's crazy powerful, dude. Right? Oh, it's insane. But we, I mean, we. That's one area that we have somewhat failed our partners in is social media. Like mm-hmm. we've done it, we've checked the box, but not really like oh, we have fully utilized what it could be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No, but, I I think it's. I mean, you look at like what Turner's done. I mean, they have the amount of engagement they get is insane. It's insane, but it's led by Keaton, and that's oh, why yeah. he built like, he built his own kind of aura around him, and then morphed it into didn't do my accident. And, no, and I, not at all. You know, that's what I tell Dylan. I'm like, dude. You need to fucking do this. Like, <laughs> yep. 
I know you're a private guy. I know you don't want to talk about yourself. You don't have, have to. to, but like you have to do something. You got to like, be out there. You don't have to say, this is how great we are, but you need to put yourself, it starts at the top. And He's, that's why like in our business, one of the internal podcasts you had to listen to this week was, hey, here's our social media policy. Share shit. Yeah, just, I mean, and that's, I never used to post much on LinkedIn either. Now I have a pretty decent following. That's same thing. It's from Keaton being like, dude, you got to post. Like, he's like, you don't have to post every day. Post once a week. That's all I care about. Yeah, and it, and it works. But, like, people gradually, like, you start you to see, see it more and more and more and more. I'm on there every single oh, day. Yeah. And I've been doing it for years. Yep. Every single day. Yep. And I will not stop. That is it. <laughs> so now everyone at the business, they see me sharing, and now everyone at our business shares. Yep. And I want everybody to go on to LinkedIn and be like, how are these Buildwick guys everywhere? They're all I see, and it's almost annoying. <laughs> They're just <laughs> everywhere. Well, and I, you know, I would, when I first started posting a lot, not a lot, but like when I would consistently try to post, right, I would just overcomplicate it. It's like, you don't need... Just tell people what you're doing. Mm -hmm. The some of my best posts I've ever had. I had a couple posts that were like several hundred thousand views, which for me is pretty good. But it was about what I screwed up. Like people love seeing what you screw Biggest up because they're like, "Oh shit, yeah. I screwed up too." Yes, that's it. I mean, it's you just tell people what you're doing, and it's pretty simple. But it's just like you said, it's consistency. You have to make sure you get it out. If you if you're gonna post once a week. Post every damn week and make it a good post every single week. If you're gonna post every day, commit to posting every single day and yeah. just stick with it. The one, like one of our partners that does a really good job is Herb Sargent. Yeah, he's very active on LinkedIn. And you were talking about him earlier today. He very, very well done yep. on his posting. But that yep. is the thing is you can't be an executive anymore and not like you're only screwing yourselves. Yep. At that point, you're leaving a lot of lot of money on the table, in my opinion, by not <sighs> taking advantage of that. And not even not even just money, but it's an opportunity to talk about your people, an opportunity to talk about your customers, an opportunity to reinforce your culture. Like it is, it's it's amazingly powerful. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's the only reason that I know. Honestly, the the only reason I know any companies is from social media. I don't know any of them. That's me too. Any other way, like I, I mean, travel a lot. I mean, I know of a lot of companies. The only ones that I think you you probably know of would be like your Keywits, your Granites, because they're so big, right? And you're if you travel at all, you're bound to bump into them somewhere. Correct. But all the, I know a lot of smaller companies, and it's only because of social media that I know of them. And the, the crazy thing is, if I had somebody who was moving to the region, I would say, hey, call them. They're a good company. Go work for them. Well, miraculous thing is, is, a lot of them are partners. Yeah. Milburn, yep. Rosso, Sargent, mm -hmm. you know, KLE, Bemis. Yep. They would not be on the map. No. Nationally, if not for social media. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's wild. I... Uh, and I didn't, I never even realized it really until I had my first, probably like my first LinkedIn post, like really get some traction. And I looked at it and I'm like, holy shit, 15,000, 15,000 people looked at this. Like, that's insane. It took me 30 seconds. And I got 15,000 people to look at this. Yeah. It's just, it's nuts. 
Yeah, Dan, he uh, he had one go viral. He's got the best strategy. Don't post anything for six months and then just let one rip for He's, several million views. <laughs> he needs a little bit of humbling when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, because he got millions of views on one one LinkedIn post and thinks he's, you know, all that. That's funny. And it was a picture of me. Yeah. So I, in theory, should take the credit for that one. <laughs> I can't believe it got that many views. That was insane. I had people on that post, I had people that I went to high school from, like, reaching out to me. Like, holy shit. What's going on here? <laughs> that is, oh, there's the power of social media right there. That's it insane. wacky. Yeah. 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 Um, we could go all day on that, but I guess new role is doing business development for our partners. And we've started, the funny thing is the traditional business development in this world has been, let me go buy a box of donuts for some GC. Buy a bottle say, of bourbon. And a bottle of bourbon, say. <laughs> give me some leads. I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. give me some business. And it's just not how you do it anymore. You know, the thing I've noticed most is that, you know, you got, especially for like your Rossos, your Southern sites, stuff like that. They work, they do a lot of work for GCs, for big real estate firms. I think what a lot of people don't realize is those real big companies are just getting filled up with more and more millennials that all they know is social media. That's it. That's it. Like that's it, why if you also got this Lenar project. Yeah. Well, if you walk like if you walk in to an office with literally with me sitting in there, hey, here's some donuts for you. I'm like, okay, cool. Give us some leads. I'm gonna be like, oh, who are you? Oh. What company? Are you? Like, what do you? I don't know who you are. And now, like, I mean, it's I, more of those companies. In the same thing with the big GCs, the really big GCs that get all the work. They're getting filled up with a lot of younger people who they. I mean, to be honest, they live their life through their phone, through social media, through LinkedIn. That's, that's where it. they spend their time, and yeah. that's when you can make that connection to companies on there with them. That's where you start to like. They get that brand recognition, you know. They say, mm -hmm. "Okay, I know these guys." They feel like they're comfortable with you already because they see you so much. That's the way it's going, for sure. There's no stopping it. It's the same way with. It's the same way with companies how they treat their people, they train their people. It's going a certain direction. The big boys are going to be fine for a while because they're just so big. But, you know, guys, my a lot of the guys at Turner too, they. Same thing. Like they want upward movement. They want to be challenged. They want to do this. They don't want to sit in a dozer anymore for 30 years. Yeah. Or for, here, go run this haul truck for 10 years, and then we'll give you a shot in a, in a dozer. That's not going to cut it with the people coming up. It's just not. They're going to go no. somewhere where they – and even regardless of money. Like I've taken – I took a huge pay cut when I came to Turner, but I wanted to go for the opportunity. And a lot of people are willing now to do that, to say, okay – I want to go there because I want the experience knowing that that experience is going to pay off for them down the road versus I make a little bit more here. I'll ride it out. The smart ones are. The smart ones are. There's still, there's still some that there's always going to be those people, but there will always be. And there's, there's just a lot of them. I want to smack sometimes. Like <laughs> why you're in your twenties. Why are you so bent out of shape about $10,000? Yeah. Shouldn't definitely should not be the biggest thing. Mm -mm. You know, I think, I think that doesn't get talked about enough in the industry. There is like, like younger guys. Cause in all honesty, if you're a younger guy, you come right out of high school, 
and you start with a heavy equipment company, you're probably going to make pretty decent money. Mm -hmm. But so many of these guys that I worked with, even at Turner, I mean, their check was spent before they even got it. And it's like they put they put themselves in these positions where they, they can't actually switch. You know what I mean? They have to get that check. They cannot yeah. take a risk. And yeah. I just I think there needs to be some, I don't know, somebody needs to talk more about being a little more financially responsible. Well, and that's <laughs> like and that's largely the responsibility of the employer. It, it no, it is for sure. And that's why like I try to talk about money as much as I possibly can in our organization to start to educate people about how dollars actually work, yeah. how they function, and start to get people to think about. Like I just had this conversation with Jessica the other day. Was, you know, she's worried about people overspending, and I said, "Well, there's a dichotomy here. You have some people that could overspend, but also people can underspend and make their lives miserable at work, and well, their and, productivity goes to shit because they're yes, yeah. and they're, but and they're not deploying company capital in the most effective way possible. They can be investing in things that make their lives easier." that improve the quality of our products, that create a better experience overall, and yet they're not for the sake of saving money. And that's bad too. That's as bad as overspending. And we need to be in the middle. Yep. We need to be spending effectively and responsibly, but still spending. We can't be saving every dollar. That's bad yep. too. Um, and so I've been trying, trying to normalize these conversations about money to get people comfortable about that. Yeah, And so that they can ideally take their edu education and new understanding of dollars and apply it to their personal lives yep. <clears throat> of, hey, you know, maybe I should hire this person to do this yeah. for $100. Absolutely. Rather than trying to do it myself in six hours. Maybe that doesn't make sense anymore. It's, yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're right. And it is up to the employer to talk about it. But like, you see so many guys who they'll work for a month then they'll go buy a, a brand new king ranch truck yes. just decked out 80 grand it's it's more, you know more than my rent is a month and it's like like guys you don't freaking do that like <laughs> but but the, the, i mean the thing is like they haven't been taught otherwise that's and that's what i'm saying like i somebody like somebody you can't blame them no no you no. can't blame a 22 year old kid for buying exactly. a king ranch when they work in the oil fields making 150 grand a year <laughs> fuck yeah i'd buy a king ranch too that's i think that there needs to be more education into that though of like hey buy your king ranch but pay cash for it yeah. Don't finance it over 84 months with yes. five grand down and you're going to get taken to the cleaners. Buy the damn thing, but buy it in cash yeah. if you're going to do that. You're young, right? Build your credit, whatever you want to do. But that's, and again, that's my role as an employer, yeah. I, I believe, is educating people about this stuff because who else is going to? Their parents? I, well, their parents don't understand money. Their friends? Their friends don't understand money. Nope. People they work with? They don't necessarily – like, there's the no only, one around them. The only way money. you learn it is the hard way, and it's the way I learned it. I got into a bunch of yes. stupid debt, and it's taken me forever to climb out of it, but I finally got out of it now. Now it's now it's clear to me. Now it's like, okay, it's very well, black and white of how you're supposed to do things, but – You're hopefully educated the hard way, but you don't necessarily need to do it the hard way. Like, I no. learned it because I was raised around people that are really good with money, and I saw how they acted and spent, and I said – Okay, I get it. Yeah. And I didn't need to go get my ass beat. Yeah, I did. 
Maybe I'm just hard headed. Some, too, but though. sometimes, sometimes <laughs> you do need to get your ass beat. There is value in getting your ass beat. I have been known to be very hard headed and have to, yeah, you know, fail a few times and then be like, oh yeah, I'm as hard headed as it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell no, me I, I can't do something. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I won't tell you that because yeah. I know you'll you'll figure it out. <laughs> well, we'll have to have another conversation in a year from now when uh, you've actually done some shit around here. Yeah, absolutely. But not a whole lot's happened yet because you're <laughs> a weekend. Just finished my onboarding. So just finished your onboarding. Just finished onboarding. Got connected yeah. with uh, a few of the partners, and we'll get rocking and rolling here in the next couple of weeks. Love it. Yeah. Well, I think we ought to have some more beers and check out the ribs. And yeah, the ribs probably need to get. They probably need to get wrapped in about forty-five minutes. All right. Well, let's go sit outside and. Until then, I think that's a podcast. Sounds good to me. It's been fun. And that is Aaron's conversation with Ben Schwanberg, VP of Business Development at BuildWit. Um, as always, we ask two things. Um, one, we ask you to continue sharing the podcast with whoever you can in your life um, and even people you don't know. Um, we, we have no advertising budget. We specifically do not do that. Um, we're not going to be hawking any products or anything on this podcast, but we do ask that you share the podcast. Um, and the second thing we ask is that um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please, please, please reach out and email us at dirttalk at buildwit.com. That comes directly to me and to Aaron. Um, we, we love the questions we get. We love um, the uh, more comedic jokes uh, and questions that are maybe not appropriate to put on this podcast. Um, but we just, we love the engagement. So thank you so much, y'all. Um, again, this is Alex Horton, co-host for Dirt Talk. And as always, stay dirty. Stay dirty.